Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Embrace. So grateful to have you here with us this morning, worshiping the Lord with the Embrace family. It really is a family around here. So if you are new, if you are just checking us out for the first time or haven't been around really long, we're especially glad that you're here this morning and hope you'll get an opportunity to have a little conversation here in a little bit. My name is Christina. I'm one of our associate pastors. And if I have not had the chance to meet you, I would really, really like to. So I'm going to dip out with our kids here for the Wonder Room in a little bit, but after the service, would love to come and talk to you. If you fill out one of these Connect cards, I will also be the person reaching back out to you and will not spam you with crazy emails, promise. So would love to have people fill out Connect cards today if you are new or if you have any information you would like to know from us. There's lots of different things you can check on the back. You can even sign up to be on our email list and get all of our announcements, which, again, not spammy, happens only once a week. Um, so you can fill those out. There's also a space for prayer requests on our Connect cards. And so we have a prayer team who keeps these confidential, but who lifts them up every single week because we believe that we can carry one another's burdens and partner together in uh, the ministry that God does through prayer. Um, just this morning, I was talking with a friend in the hall about prayers that have been answered um, that I know we've been praying together. So would love to have you share prayer requests with us if you have those this morning. If you fill out a Connect card or if you would like to give while you are in the building this morning, there are boxes at the back of the sanctuary or to the side over here. You can slip those in there. You can also always give online at EmbraceYourCity.com slash give. You can also always email prayer requests anytime to prayer at EmbraceYourCity.com. Um, I mentioned the announcement email. That's one way to get announcements. We also have um, announcement handouts on the welcome tables at either door when you come in or when you leave. And that will help you know all the great things that are going on around here. Um, if you have any questions about those things, just let me know. I'd be happy to talk through them. Um, and then I also want to remind you that in our cafe, which is the room directly across the hall, where you will smell the smells of coffee and donuts, um, we have a stream going of the service. And so if at any point it would be helpful for you to just kind of slip out and have a sensory break or have a little space, the cafe is available for you and you can continue to participate in our service. Um, and so I think those are our announcements for this morning. And Laban and the worship team will call us to worship. Family, hope you're doing well. Hope you're doing great. Um, so glad you're here in this warm space this morning on a cold January day. Well, let's celebrate what God has made. Let's all stand up and we will say our call to worship together and then jump into worship. Oh Lord, let my soul rise up to meet you. As the day rises to meet the sun, glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen.
to our confession for this morning. We know that nothing is able to separate us from the love of God and Jesus Christ. Let us in freedom confess the wrong we have done. Merciful God, we, we confess, confess that, that we have, have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. And just as we were singing, we have so much to be happy about, so much to be thankful for, but also in this space, we have so much to be frustrated with, so much to be sad about. We're going to enter into a time that has become very important to this church family, and that is a time of gratitude and lament. So what we're going to do is we're just going to get in small groups where you are, you might be slightly uncomfortable with this if you're new. We apologize for all the introverts in the room. But we're going to just share a time of gratitude, sharing what you're grateful for this morning. And if you have something on your heart that you're really lamenting, something that is really weighing heavy, um, this is a safe space to share that as well. We also say that if you hear someone share something really heavy and you're not really sure what to say, just say thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Let's do that. Let's take a few minutes and let's be family.
All right, let's just take a moment to wrap the conversations. And as you'd like, I invite you to stand together. Let's continue our worship time.
before you and every tongue will confess your name and all the angels give you glory as I stand before your
Y'all can have a seat. It's really, really good to be together today. My name is John Gallagher, and I'm the lead pastor here at the church. Just want to say welcome to all of you. Um, that last song that we sang it, it is really articulates something that, that has been the most true thing for me lately. It's that God is walking with me through life. I do not understand why bad things happen. I don't understand all the suffering and pain that we go through. I don't understand why some prayers seem to be answered and others we seem to be waiting too long on. But I do believe that God is walking with me and I feel God's presence uh, with me quite often. And I want you to know that God is with you. And God knows your name and he's walking with you and he's holding your hand. Um, if you're only willing to open up and allow God uh, to be there with you um, through the ups and downs of life. And so um, that's an encouragement that I needed to hear this morning. So it's pretty neat that our songs can even... Uh, preach to us in many ways as we sing these words aloud. What we're going to do now is we're going to invite our kids uh, to go upstairs and also to the room downstairs for their time of learning in the Wonder Room. And so if you are a child, four years old, all the way up through fifth grade in elementary school, then you are welcome to go to the Wonder Room for your time of learning. Um, if you're a parent and you have a child in that age group and you've never come before and you want them to participate, please walk with them and introduce yourself to the teachers and make sure that they have their correct paperwork filled out. But let's give our kids and our volunteers a hand as they make their way up here to the front. We're going to spend uh, some time in prayer this morning. And so if anybody would like to uh, join me at the altar to pray, then you're welcome to do that. Um, I always like to take the posture of kneeling uh, when I pray here at church. And if anybody would like to join me, uh, you're welcome to. No pressure at all. What I would love to do is just give us some space uh, for silence. In Psalm 46, we hear a word from God encouraging the people to be still, to be still, and to know who God is. So we need to take some time just to be still and quiet. Calm our bodies, calm our minds, our spirits. Maybe you just want to take some deep breaths. Breathe in through your nose. Breathe out through your mouth. The same spirit that was hovering 
over the waters in Genesis before the full creation of this world is the same spirit that is here with us now. Moving throughout this space. Moving in and through our bodies. minds, our spirits. It's the same spirit that consumed Jesus. The same spirit that affirmed who he was as the son of God. The same spirit that drove him into the wilderness. The same spirit that possessed and took hold of Jesus and led him to transform the face of the world through his ministry of love and reconciliation and mercy and justice. And that same spirit is a gift to you and to me. The spirit lives within us. Comforting us, challenging us, convicting us, empowering us, enlightening us, expanding our vision and our minds. And may we have the courage this morning to welcome God's Spirit to take hold of us, to take possession of us in many ways, to Drive us out into the world to spread the light and love of Jesus. To reach out to those in need. To open our hearts to those who need a friend. To confront those who are doing harm to others. May we become more aware of God's spirit that is moving in us and through us and all around us at all moments of our lives, helping sustain us, empower us. It's keeping this world turning. Help us, Lord, to be mindful of your presence today. God, we affirm that you are our friend, that you know our name as we sing, that you hold our hand, that you walk with us, that you go down the hardest paths, that there's nothing that's too scary for you, that there's nothing about our lives that's off-putting or causes you to run from us or to put up distance, Lord, that you are there. We affirm, Lord, this morning that you are the best friend that we could ever long for. And God, we need that right now. We need a friend. Some of us, Lord, this morning are facing sickness that is not going away. Lord, we lift up those in our community who are facing uh, just so much sickness and, and, and their bodies are just struggling and their minds are struggling and, and, and just needing God healing. Lord, we pray that you would be their friend right now. 
that you would be near to them, that you would encourage them, that you would help them to have the resolve and the, the fortitude to, to just continue, Lord, to, to continue walking forward even in the midst of, of sickness, Lord, that they would not lose hope. For those who have kind of come through a holiday season and mourned and grieved the loss of loved ones who are starting a new year in 2024 without someone that they love deeply, Lord, we pray for them that you would be a friend and comfort to them. We pray for those that are experiencing just the, the weight and the devastation and the suffering and the trauma that results from war and from intense violence and destruction. We pray for those who are experiencing just the profound loss from bombs and missiles and all the guns and the things that just continue to wreak havoc upon this planet. We pray, Lord, that you would be extra near to people who are truly walking through the shadow of the valley of death this morning. God, not only do we affirm that you are our friend, Lord, but we also affirm that you are mighty and that you are powerful. And God, you are majestic and you are awe-inspiring and you are great, Lord, that you are big and that you are mighty. We affirm this morning that you are the God who is always greater. So just as you are our friend who is there with us in the muck and the mire, you are also a God who is big. And so God, we pray that you would show up in this world in a powerful way. I'm praying this morning that you would just do something to end this violence, that you would break the, the, the machinery that is des destroying lives and wreaking havoc on communities. We pray, God, that you would do something about all this evil that we are seeing all around us, Lord. Lord, we wonder often where you are. And God, I continue to wonder, Lord, where you are in the midst of this suffering and tragedies that we're facing. And God, we, we need you as a friend, but we also need you, God, as power and might and strength. So God, we pray this morning, come, Lord Jesus, come. Come and set right these things that the world is seeing that are so wrong and so off. We want to see beauty. We want to see creativity. We want to see love and belonging and connection. Lord, we long for that beloved community that Dr. King preached and talked about and taught us um, so long ago. And on this weekend, as we think about Dr. King and his legacy, God, we uh, are thinking and, and reflecting on that today. And we long for that beloved community where everybody has a seat at the table, where the least of these truly are taken care of in whole, Lord. We pray, God, come, Lord Jesus, come. And now we pray together this prayer that Jesus taught us, his disciples, to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you all for spending just a few moments uh, in prayer with me this morning. It is, uh, it's good to be together, and it's good to spend some time in prayer. So, um, you know, my worst nightmare just happened. I got up here, and I don't have my sermon notes in front of me. 
And there's no way I'm preaching this sermon without my sermon notes. So, uh, Tom, I think I'm going to have to borrow yours in the back, and I'm just going to have to tell you when to put things on the screen this morning. So, uh, because we got a lot to cover today. We're starting a whole new series. This has always been my fear that I'll get up here and, like, someone just messes with me and, like, jumble, takes pages out and stuff, and then I'm like, what am I going to say? Then I'll call on Rick to come preach, because Rick's got a sermon available for every season of life, I think. So, uh, anyway... Um, Today is, uh, often on this weekend, um, you know, I like to say something about Dr. Martin Luther King. I, I don't always like to celebrate uh, national holidays here in church um, because we as Christians kind of go by a different calendar and we have really special holidays that we celebrate. And often our holidays in our nation aren't necessarily pointing towards uh, Jesus' gospel-centered values that we have here at our church. Um, but Dr. King is... is really become uh, somebody to me that has been like a, a distant mentor. So obviously, I never knew the man, um, but he's just really influenced my life. And he was a complicated man. He was not perfect, um, but there was an essence to what he was about and what he stood for um, that was beautiful. I want to recommend a, a book that I read this year. It uh, came out, I think, this past year. Um, it's called King, A Life. It's really good. Um, I love biographies, and this is one of the best that I've read. But in that book, as I was reading through it and thinking about the legacy of Dr. King, like one thing that just struck me is just how steadfast he was and how committed he was to the mission that God had given him. Later in, in Dr. King's life, you all may not realize this, but now like everybody celebrates Dr. King and everybody loves Dr. King. But towards the end of his life, he was despised by a lot of people. Like his popularity, they, they judged these things towards the end of his life, and, and, and frankly, most people disapproved of him towards the end of his life. White people and black people had lots of problems with Dr. King towards the end of his life. Many people just thought he was going too far. There was a point where he started talking about the Vietnam War a lot because he recognized that if he's going to talk about peace here at home, if he's going to talk about taking care of people here in America, then he also has to be concerned about people on the opposite ends of the world. If he's going to talk about the violence that we do to one another, then he needed to talk about the violence that is inflicted by this nation on other nations. And so he started to go really hard on the Vietnam War. And, and a lot of people within his own circles told him he needed to stop doing that. But he refused. And he continued to talk about it. And his popularity tanked and tanked and tanked and tanked. Another thing he started talking about was poverty. Um, because he started out just talking about civil rights, mostly about racism, which is important, but he started to see that all these things are connected. And he started talking about poverty a lot more and how we need to not only care for one group of people, but we need to lift everybody up from the bottom. And when he started talking about economic justice and different things like that, he started advocating for things like a universal basic income for all people here in America. And a lot of people were like, no, nah, we're not talking about that kind of stuff. And Dr. King's popularity continued to go down. But Dr. King, there's this famous quote, and I don't have the words in front of me, but he basically says, like, he's like, God has called me to love the poor. God has called me to love these folks and walk with them. And he's like, if it means walking to my death with them, then so be it. I'll do it. And ultimately know what happened to Dr. King. He ultimately marched to his death because he stood in solidarity with other people. And his influence upon this nation is wonderful though I would encourage you to really dig a little deeper because the, the portrayal of Dr. King that we often get is a, a sanitized version. Um, I read a quote, Harry Belafonte said once that, that in the history books we never get to read about the radical heroes. 
We only read stories that kind of sanitize the versions of the people that we uh, aspire to, to be like. And so I encourage you to really try to dig in and encounter the radical king because I think he helps us to become more like Jesus. Today, um, I want to share, I, I want to encourage you today before I preach to look at the uh, announcements. Um, we've got some important things coming up. One thing we have coming up is something called Curated Conversations, and it's something that we've done in the past during the pandemic. Um, some folks, uh, it was kind of one of their first introductions to different folks in the church. Um, if you're an introvert like me and you struggle with small talk, going to a party is kind of hard for me because I'm like, I don't know what to talk to these people about, you know. Um, if you have a hard time with that kind of thing, this is a really good opportunity to come because we're going to have questions and things for you to talk about in small groups, and so you don't have to come and just chit-chat. Um, there's going to be questions to help you go a little deeper, and so if you're wanting to get to know other people at the church, you want to make friends, you're wanting to reach out, this is a really good opportunity. Look in the announcements. Um, it's coming up at the end of this month. It'll be before church, and then also we have an Embrace Orientation Lunch, which is something we've done um, in the past, where if you want to know more about Embrace, you want to get to know folks, you want to hear more about our ministries, then you can stay after for lunch, and that'll be in February, and you're going to meet a lot of folks and hear more about our church, and we'll also talk about membership at that gathering if you're interested in becoming a member. So this morning, uh, what I want to do for my sermon is I'm going to introduce uh, something new. You know, for the past few years, I have said something very similar at the beginning of the year, and I'm going to say it again this year because I feel compelled to say it. 2024 is going to be a really hard year. Does it, do you all agree with me that this year is probably going to be a tough year? We've got a lot of things coming this year that are going to be challenging. Um, we have a lot of challenges that we're facing as a nation, as a community, as a church, as a denomination. There's a lot that's going to happen this year that is going to bring lots and lots of challenges into our lives. As Rick reminded us last year, storms will come. We're talking, we're going to get hit by literal storms, that's going to happen, but there's also going to be some severe storms of life that are going to have the potential to leave us feeling rattled and broken. And how are we going to navigate the chaos of this new year? How are we going to stay grounded? How are we going to spread love and light as the darkness overwhelms us? How are we going to make tough decisions and stay committed to each other through uncertainty and discomfort? You know, the, the scriptures talk a lot, uh, or they talk in the New Testament about putting the armor of God on, and I've always thought that's kind of interesting imagery. Um, and, and I don't always love, like, the battle imagery, but life does feel like a battle sometimes, right? And so it talks about putting the armor of God on so that we can be fortified and grounded and strong. And one way to embrace we try to stay fortified and grounded is through studying the scriptures, to getting out our Bibles and reading it and studying it and engaging God through these sacred scriptures. A few years ago, we spent a good amount of time in the Gospel of Mark. And through that sermon series, I grew to love the Gospel of Mark even more than I did before. It's become one of my favorite books in the Bible. And so what we're going to do this year is we're going to revisit Mark again for the first part of the year. And we're going to do that all the way up until Easter. And then after Easter, we're actually going to spend the rest of the year in one book of the Bible. We're going to be in the book of Acts after that. And I haven't studied the book of Acts in a long time, and I'm really excited about it. So we're going to spend 34 weeks in the book of Acts. Um, so we got Mark and Acts this year, and I'm, I'm really excited. So the Gospel of Mark is a book I really love. In seminary, it was the first book I encountered when I was doing like Bible study in seminary. I took a class with a professor named Dr. Joe Donjel. And it was in an inductive Bible study class. And through that class on Mark, um, I just grew to like, love the Bible so much more. 
He helped bring the scriptures alive to me in a way that no other professor had ever done. I remember our first assignment we had in the class. He said, I want you to go home, get out your Bible, and read the Gospel of Mark aloud in one sitting from start to finish. It was like 16 chapters. It is the shortest uh, gospel in the Bible, so it wasn't super long. But it took a couple hours to get through it, and we had to read it aloud in one sitting, and he said, I want you to do it two times. And it was really cool to like read it all and kind of hear myself reading it and see kind of how the whole story unfolds. And if you have time during the series, I encourage you all to do that yourselves. You can get in a small group. If you're in a small group, y'all can decide, let's take one meeting. We're just going to take turns and read a chapter and go through the whole gospel of Mark aloud. I think it would be really beneficial for you all. But the good thing is it is the shortest gospel in the Bible. Mark is very concise in the way he talks about Jesus' life. And, and it's a wonderful, um, I think, uh, gospel for us to engage. Mark is all about action. Uh, you could say the gospel of John, there's a lot of dialogue. There's a lot of like heady kind of teaching and deep spiritual teaching and stuff. The gospel of Mark it doesn't have much of that at all. It's like about action. It's like Jesus going from one thing to another. His actions, the disciples, other folks. So maybe that's one reason I like it because it's fast moving. It's easy to kind of get through. And so I recommend Mark to folks as like a good starting point. If you're like, I want to read the Bible, like start with Mark. You'll get through it. It's not too hard. Um, and you just pay attention to what happens in this story. So we're going to be Mark, in Mark until Easter. We're going to dig in a little more each week, uncovering kind of more meaning and context and purpose. Mark is a wonderful gospel, I think, for us to study today in this unprecedented time we're living in. And so are you all ready to kind of go on a journey in Mark together? Um, should be fun. So one thing uh, we need to remember when we read a story like this one is there's two worlds represented in the story. And Tom, you can throw this one on the screen. First is the world that Mark narrates about Jesus and also the world in which Mark lived. Let me explain what I mean. So Mark's going to tell stories, and, and that's like about Jesus and when he lived, which was, you know, around A.D. 30. However, Mark probably didn't write his gospel until around A.D. 65, A.D. 70, somewhere around that time. And so Mark was writing this story about 30 years or more after it all happened. And so you have what happened during Jesus' time, but also when Mark wrote this story, there were things going on in his community that propelled him to want to put this story into writing. So I want to focus just a little bit about Mark's world. Mark wrote this around A.D. 66 to AD 70, and it was during a Jewish uprising and, and then kind of an intense Roman backlash. So you can imagine this marginal group of Jews, if they're going to rise up against the Roman Empire violently, then you know, there's going to be a mighty backlash by the Roman government. And so Jesus had died many years earlier. There were stories of Jesus being told through this oral tradition, and for some reason, Mark decided he wanted to cement these stories in writing. One of the best questions you can ask when you read the Bible and want to understand it is, why did the author decide to write this story down? Why did the author decide to write this down? Because they didn't write many stories down during that time. Because paper, it was hard to come by. They didn't have printing presses like we do. A lot of people couldn't read. And so they told stories aloud. But why did Mark decide he needed to get it down in writing? In Mark's world, there was intense division and conflict and violence between the Jewish people and the Romans. Many competing factions of Jews were actually trying to vie for power in that area to try to be on top. There were also stirrings of uprising and revolution against the Romans. 
There were these bandits that were very common throughout the land. They were kind of like Robin Hood types who would go and, and kind of rob from the wealthy to try to help disseminate among the poor. There were people like the Jewish Sicarii, which were apparently really good with knives, and there were warriors, and they would actually go around and assassinate people um, in crowds, and no one would even realize it's happening. And there was this violent resistance. There was a lot of paranoia in the land. So during this tumultuous time, there were traveling preachers who would go around the land, and they would share stories about Jesus. And perhaps they would even adjust these stories to kind of fit their particular political outlook to kind of uphold whatever agenda they might have had. So in these confusing and chaotic times, Mark decided he needed to get this story written down in writing. Perhaps Mark heard these kind of oral traditions that were going around, and Mark's like, hey, we need to document this story. We need to preserve these stories of Jesus. They're just too important. Like I said, not many people wrote down stories like this. It was expensive. It was not easily accessible among the common people who couldn't read. But Mark wrote it down anyway. And when he wrote it down, he wrote it not just to preserve it, but I believe Mark wanted this story to challenge and teach people in his own context for for generations to come. Because he wanted folks to figure out how they can follow Jesus in their current context. Not just for people then, but for us even today. And so here's what I believe in Mark's purpose for writing this down. Tom, you can put this up there. It's specific and simple. Inspire and teach people how to follow Jesus. I believe this was what Mark wanted to do with this gospel. He wanted people to know how to follow the way of Jesus. He's not so concerned with heady thoughts or wise sayings on church doctrine or pontificating on what the cross means. There's a time and place for that but not in Mark's gospel. It is about the way a person lives their life. He wanted to challenge people to be radical disciples of Jesus in their day-to-day lives. Scholar uh, Ched Myers has appropriately given a subtitle to Mark. Tom, you can put this one up. A manifesto for Christian discipleship is what he calls it. And really, a manifesto is kind of a public declaration. It's like putting it out there. Here's my manifesto for all to read on what I believe The life of Jesus ought to look like. If you want to know how to follow Jesus in a world of lies and confusion and violence and propaganda and oppression and domination, read the story of Mark. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to read this story. We're going to study this story. We're going to look at the world of Mark so that we can better understand how we can become better disciples and how we can follow Jesus today. Now, I want to offer in this introduction three distinct kind of subplots in Mark that we're going to see come up over and over again. You have the overarching narrative of Jesus' life, but there's three things that keep coming up over and over and over again in Mark, and it'll help us understand better how to make sense of this book. So the first one is Jesus' creation of a new community. He created this new community of people by calling disciples. If you know the story of Jesus, he goes and he says, hey, come follow me. And then the disciples come follow him. And he creates this tight knit of community of people who were his disciples and followers. And there were many others than just the 12 who were followers of Jesus. And throughout the book, you're going to see Jesus calling disciples, teaching disciples, correcting disciples, being let down by the disciples. The disciples are a big part of this book. He spends time with them. He develops close relationships with them. He does important work with them. You're going to see at the end, they profoundly 
miserably fail Jesus at the end of the story, and even throughout it, they miss the mark over and over and over again. These are very relatable people. The disciples are part of this narrative. Jesus is creation of a new community. The second uh, subplot in this book is Jesus' mission to the crowds. Now, you'll see the crowds in Mark are almost like their own character. The crowds are everywhere in Mark. The crowds follow Jesus at times. They abandon Jesus at times. The crowds demand things of Jesus. The crowds are amazed by Jesus. The crowds are healed to and ministered, or healed by and ministered to by Jesus. Mark mentions the crowds 38 times in his gospel, over and over and over again. And they represent this like teeming mass of people. And in Mark, they're mostly poor folks. They're people who are often oppressed. And Jesus shows them compassion. He, he feeds them. He helps them. He teaches them. He, he exercises demons from them. But ultimately, at the end, we see the crowds, they, they pretty much reject Jesus. And you'll see a story at the end where they choose to release Barabbas instead of Jesus at the end. The crowds are kind of fickle. Just like today, the crowds can be very fickle. In one moment, the crowds can love you, and the next minute, they can hate you, right? It's true in Jesus' story also. But Jesus was with the crowds. The third group, or the third subplot of the story is Jesus' confrontation with the powers and the authorities. And Jesus has a lot of conflict with people who are in authority in the book of Mark. And in Mark, it was specifically against some Jewish leaders in that area. Not that all Jewish leaders were, were corrupt, but there were some that Jesus had a lot of problems with. These are folks like the Pharisees, the scribes, the Herodians, the Sadducees. You're going to see them come up over and over and over again. And you're going to see these religious and political leaders consistently oppressing lots of folks while taking care of the elite few. And Jesus had a lot of conflicts with them throughout the gospel. There's a lot of conflict and confrontation. Mark is not like a, a book where everybody just gets along. Jesus has a lot of conflict with people. And it's mostly with the people who are in authority who were hurting others. So we have stories of Jesus' intimate relationship with his disciples, his mission to the crowds, and his conflict with the authorities. So remember this, disciples, crowds, authorities. It's going to come up over and over and over again. Disciples and crowds and authorities. And it will help us understand what we're dealing with when we get into all these stories in Mark. So if you want to live a life shaped by Jesus then we need to follow his example, okay? And so if we're going to follow his example, we need these aspects in our lives also, I believe, if we're going to discern how to live like him. And so I want to offer up three questions that this guy, Reverend Sam Wells, that I'm going to borrow from him that are going to help us think through how we can engage these three different things in our own lives. So like Jesus first, I believe we need to be part of a group of disciples, like those first disciples, I believe we are called to diverse, intimate relationships of trust, accountability, sharing, and shared mission. Now, this is often hard to find, but I think many of us, you know, we may have friends that we hang out with and spend time with, but are we in close relationship with other disciples of Jesus who are seeking to follow Christ, who take the relationship to Jesus seriously, who are wanting to follow after Christ in their day-to-day -day lives? You know, I remember in my teens and early 20s, I, I had this thought, I was like, you know, like all my friends and I do when we're together is just goof off and make fun of each other and play. They don't do anything else. There's nothing deep here. And I, I was really longing for something more, right? 
And I wonder, do you have close relationships with other serious-minded disciples who are seeking to to follow God in their day-to-day lives? Perhaps many of our issues right now are because so many church people don't have like accountable close relationships with other serious-minded Christians. So ask yourself the question, am I part of a group of disciples in any meaningful sense? Am I part of a group of disciples? The second thing, like Jesus, we need to be with the crowds by building friendships across boundaries, especially, I believe, with the poor, with people who are pushed to the margins, with people who are experiencing oppression. Jesus intentionally built relationships with people and reached out to people who were different than him. And he particularly reached out to folks who were often pushed to the margins. Like Jesus' time, we have clear boundaries in our culture about who we ought to be around and who we ought to spend time with. Many people, I think, lack empathy and compassion for others because they have no relationships with people who are different than them. They don't have those relationships across boundaries and difference. There's power in proximity. There's power in being close. And embrace, a cool thing about our church is we've been able, historically, over the years, to be able to provide space for those kinds of friendships and relationships to form. And all churches ought to be those kinds of places. Often we find our churches just being a bunch of people who are all the same. And I don't believe that's what Jesus has called us to. So ask yourself this question, do I have friendships with people very different from myself? And am I allowing those friendships to change me? So are you connected to a group of disciples in any meaningful sense? And then also, do you have friendships with people who are very different from you and allowing those friendships to change you? Got to have those disciples, those close people who are also serious about their faith, but also are you spending time with others and among the crowds? Finally, like Jesus, we need to confront the oppressive powers and authorities of our day. There are new versions today of the corrupt Pharisees and scribes and Herodians and Sadducees in our own context now. There are authorities and powers who lie to us with myths of domination and use their power to hurt others and to keep people in bondage. And sadly, the local church has even been an oppressive power at times. So many people have told me that they've come out of very oppressive and hurtful church environments. And if we're committed to the way of Jesus, then I believe it will lead to confrontation with people in power who are doing harm to others. Because we cannot just sit by and allow people who are in power to hurt other people and take advantage of the poor and the weak. Dr. Martin Luther King, who we've been talking about this morning just a little bit, and all the folks who are part of the freedom movement are a testimony to that. They lived this out in such extreme ways where it actually ended up that many of them even lost their lives because they were willing to stand up for those who were hurting. So when we take stock of our relationship to the powerful, we need to ask ourselves, does the shape of my life reflect my longing to see God set people free, and do I challenge those who are keeping others in slavery? So we need to rediscover, I believe, the roots of our faith, which is the story of Jesus of Nazareth. We go back to the root, we're going to encounter the radical Jesus. And when I say radical, don't be afraid of that word. To be radical means to the root of things, to the essence of things. So we're trying to get to the root and the essence of the beginnings of all of this, which is Jesus. And we can follow Jesus' example 
of building those accountable, mission-focused community who has friendships with the poor, challenging the powerful, and I believe that can lead to deeper discipleship if we're willing to follow him along his way. When Jesus called those first disciples, he was inviting them not to follow a list of rules or to believe a certain things. He was inviting them on an adventure, a discipleship adventure of leaving behind the old way of death and bondage and walking to a new way of life and freedom. And I believe we are still receiving that invitation from Jesus today. And so I want you all to remember those as we go through this series. The disciples, the crowds, and the authorities. And think about your own life. Do you have that intimate group of disciples that you're connected to, even if it's just one person who you can say, we're both serious about this and we're going to help one another in our faith? Are you among the crowds? Are you building relationships across boundaries with people who are different than you, particularly people who are being oppressed and hurt by the authorities? And finally, what's your relationship to the powerful? Do you have the courage to stand up and push against those things that are wrong? Are you willing to stand up and say, hey, these people are being hurt and it's not okay? And I'm going to do what I can to help those who are struggling. Mark's gospel spoke words of hope and challenge to its original audience of new struggling Christians. And I still think it's speaking to us today. So I hope you'll join me on this discipleship adventure as we continue to learn what it means to be a follower of Jesus. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, y'all can clap, but uh, just be ready because Mark's going to challenge you, and he's challenged me over the years, so uh, get ready for it. One of our values, we're comfortable with being uncomfortable. So, uh, Y'all know, um, if you've spent any time much in church, that the story of Jesus and the Gospels, um, towards the end, it ended really tragically for Jesus. We know about the resurrection, we know about that, but we know that Jesus' life and the way he lived in this world of, of building this community of discipleship, being among the crowds and resisting the oppressive authorities, it ended up um, meaning lots of confrontation and ultimately Jesus ended up losing his life on the cross um, through, through crucifixion, which is a word we throw around a lot today, but it's, it's an execution. And it was the most brutal form of execution that they knew in that time. It was brutal the way that, that folks died and it was reserved for um, the folks that they really wanted to make an example out of. And Jesus was willing to do that. Jesus was willing to go all the way to the cross because Jesus loved this world so much, because Jesus had this image and this picture uh, of shalom and of peace and wholeness that Jesus wanted to share with the world. And he was willing to take it all the way. He was willing to take it all the way. And we've had a few people throughout history who are willing to follow Jesus in that same path. And I continue to pray that God would give me the courage to follow Jesus um, down whatever path that, that God would lead me. And I hope that you all will continue to pray that also. If you all bow your heads with me, I'll just say a prayer over our time of communion. God, we thank you so much for being with us here this morning. We thank you for your love and for your grace. We thank you for the invitation, Lord, to join you in this adventure of becoming disciples, of growing in our faith, of learning what it means to live like Jesus here in this world. And help us, Lord, to see it as not so much of a burden, but an invitation to something good and beautiful. Something that's going to lead to life and flourishing, not just for ourselves, but for all people around us. We pray that we could follow your example, Lord. That we could follow your example and seek to live like you as we 
navigate all the complexities of this year that we have begun. We pray you would give us strength and fortitude and perseverance as we continue to walk this narrow path that you've laid out before us. God, thank you that there's love and certainly grace for our journey, that this is not an adventure that we have to get all right all the time. This is not, this is a path that we'll fall off of many times. But God, we thank you that there's grace that you continue to talk with us and walk with us and hold our hands as we navigate the complexities and the challenges of trying to be wise and discerning in this world that's very confusing often, Lord. But help us, Lord, to be people of love and peace. And we pray that you would fill us up with this communion, this bread and juice, that it would be for us the body and blood of Christ, that your Holy Spirit would be present here in a miraculous way, and that we would leave here nourished and sustained to continue walking forward on this journey that you have invited us to join you on, to see this world redeemed and made whole. God, we need you so much. Thank you for being here with us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm going to invite those who are helping me serve communion to come on up. Here at Embrace, we take communion by you'll form two lines down the center aisle. As you come forward, just have your hands open to receive the bread and the juice. Your server will tear off the bread for you, dip it in the cup for you, and then hand it to you. Um, if you need Kleenex, we have that there if you need it. If you'd like me to talk with you or pray with you, I'd love to. Um, I always cherish those times. I'll just be over here and come find me. And we do have uh, prepackaged elements in the back. If you'd prefer to go back there uh, to limit being around a big group of people coming forward, you can do that. And we also have gluten-free options up here, too. If you need that, just let your server know. But let me get this prepared for you, and then I'll invite you up in just a minute. to come whenever you feel led.
really good to be together today. Um, just want to remind you all, if you ever need anything or ever need to talk, got someone, something going on in your life, or you just need to talk through something or, or need prayer, whatever it is, um, my door is always open to you, and um, we have others as well. Christina, be happy to talk with you. Rachel's often here during the week, more than we are, um, and so there's, there's folks here who would love to, Tanya's always available, so if you would ever need to, to talk or anything, I, I, it's one of my favorite things I do is getting to meet with you all. So just let me know if you ever need anything, want to talk about a sermon, something going on in your life, be happy to connect. Um, so, but if y'all would prepare your hearts to receive the benediction, may the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forever. Amen. Go in God's peace. I'll see you next time.